just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we rip the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Hello, and welcome to Loser Like Me, a Glee recap and review podcast. I'm Tanner. And I'm Christina. And this week we're going to be looking at episode 6 of the first season of Glee, titled Vitamin D. Yes. Fun fact. Um, the title of this episode in German is, forgive my pronunciation here, uh, Engregerte Organismen. I realized that was absolutely not German pronunciation. I took Spanish, so sue me. Um... But it turns out that the translation of that from German is stimulated organisms. <laughs> that is the literal Google Translate translation, but I thought we should share that. There were definitely organisms who got stimulated. Yes, that is very <laughs> true. So this episode was directed by Elodie Keene, who hasn't directed on Glee before. I'm in, I think she did a fine job. And it was written by Ryan Murphy, so brace yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, here it comes. We ready? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, the episode starts out with YouTube Grape Lady. Um, oh, also, I have a couple of tidbits, but I can uh, sprinkle them through the episode. Tidbits of trivia. The fun That's trivia tidbits. Yeah, yeah. So the episode... Did we mention the air date? Uh, no, we didn't mention the air date yet. The The episode aired October 7th, 2009, uh, which dates it perfectly for Kurt to be watching the YouTube Grape Lady. Yes, I had to I had to Google it because I was like, I don't know exactly what, uh, I was like, I don't know what great, grape stomping one he's referring to. <laughs> and it turns out that it's a video that was originally posted in 2007. And considering the state of YouTube in the early aughts, that could, it was probably, you know, the grape stomping lady. Yeah. Man, remember when memes lasted for years? Oh, God, no, I wish. Mind you, now the Tumblr shut down, some memes have gone back to a more evergreen status, like the Is This a Pigeon guy? Yes. That's very true. Yeah. Well, Kurt is watching this YouTube video because they're doing choreography and everyone is unenthused about it. There's lots of eye rolling, people are. The, the, the students are just like, uh, five, six, seven, eight, step, ball, change, hands up, wave them in the air. <laughs> and and Will is like, what's happening? Why are you all so upset? And it turns out that they, <laughs> they found out that, uh, wait, was this because they, was this when they found out that their competition who their competition is going to be for sectionals. <laughs> yeah, it was around the same time. They're like, because they did really well at invitationals, and then they found out that the schools competing mm -hmm. against them in sectionals are the Haverbrook School for the Deaf mm -hmm. and the Jane Addams Academy, which is basically a school for troubled young women. Yes, uh, keep a pin in this, listeners, because that will come back. This is This is an arc. Yes, <laughs> it's actually a narrative arc being set up. What a concept. Um... <laughs> Will and Emma have a conversation about this as they are, as like, Will is like, why are my, why are these teens, why are they so 
content to be lazy in practice. It's because they're the main characters. It's because yeah, it's because they're the main characters. I should note that during this scene, like they're having a, a talk over lunch, and Will just gets like a mustard stained goatee. In his, as Emma put it, cute Kirk Douglas chin dimple. Yeah, which your mileage may vary. Um, on on it being cute or not, that's what I meant. See, um, Kirk Douglas could have been attractive if he didn't believe in creationism. Yeah, yeah, but the point—the point of me bringing this up—is that when Emma tells Will that he has some mustard, his in his his first response is like, "I'm going to stick my tongue all the way out of my mouth and try to lick it off my chin with my tongue." Like a fucking Gene Simmons or Stitch. Yes, yes. <laughs> so then she has to like get it off for him, and we have like sensual mustard cleaning yeah we have this we have the sensual like removal of food from someone's face uh which is slightly terrifying it's freaking straight people um <laughs> emma so emma suggests that he try using sticker boards to get the glee kids to be motivated about competition um but then Sue Sylvester, who has been here the whole time. She manifests like yes. a daemon. <laughs> yes, she manifests. And she suggests that, hey, whenever like competition is always a good idea to get teens to get teens motivated. <laughs> and I support an environment of fear. And she leaves. But then Emma says, I can't believe she's allowed to teach at this school. And I said, <laughs> I said out loud, me too. And then Will says out loud, no, she's right. Yes, and Emma is so shocked that she stops stabbing her Tupperware of salad. (laughs) (laughs) So we go back to the choir room, and Will's posting pictures of stuff that's in competition with each other to demonstrate that how competition drives uh, people and creatures to better themselves. (laughs) How, How to let your haters be motivators, as led by the examples of... Bill Clinton versus Bob Dole from the 1996 presidential election. Which I'm sure all these teens remember. Yeah. Um, a shark versus a bear. I have Natural. seen. I have used that exact stock photo of a bear before. <laughs> <laughs> and lightning versus above ground swimming pool. Which Kurt does not understand. I have to say, I think like the prevalence of like above ground swimming pools or just swim- swimming pools in general in Glee might be my favorite thing that ryan murphy thinks happens in ohio (laughs) (laughs) i've been to ohio exactly once and i saw one swimming pool therefore i can extrapolate it to assume that everyone in ohio has a swimming pool yeah i appreciate the concept of lightning having to better itself to circumvent the protections that swimming pools have Mm -hmm. i wonder if i wonder if maybe it wasn't meant in the sense of like a swimming pool having to improve itself to withstand lightning better (laughs) Well, but so so the swimming pool advances itself to withstand lightning better, but then how does the lightning improve itself to penetrate the swimming pool? I don't know. I like <laughs> I'm literally sitting here trying to think of scientific solutions, and I'm coming up with none because I'm not a scientist. <laughs> this is advanced lightning. Oh God, it's lightning level two. <laughs> lightning two, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, anyway. Will, Will announces that they're going to be doing a mashup competition, guys versus girls, and this these are going to be our first mashups. Yes, this is this is the Glee hallmark, and actually one of the things that I'm really glad came out of Glee, because, like, 
once the concept of a mashup as opposed to a remix or a mega mix entered the mainstream, there were a lot of people that were doing like actual mashups and it was really cool. Yeah. And I, I've mentioned that I did a whole Glee fanfic season on here before, right? Yes. I'm sure you have. <laughs> yeah, I did a bunch of mashups in that, and I was really proud of a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, of course, I, I just, they only exist in my head. I don't yeah. know how they would work uh, in real life. Yeah, same. But one, one time I did mash up As Long As You Love Me by the Backstreet Boys and Jump Down by Bewitched, and I think it would sound real good if it was a real song. Okay. If anyone, if anyone listening is good at music mixing, hey, toss. We're gonna toss some ideas your way. <laughs> I also mashed together "How to Save a Life" by The Fray and "Call Me When You're Sober" by Evanescence. Oh yeah, I think I remember you talking about that before. Yeah, that was when Kurt confronted Blaine about his weed addiction. God, what a society! <laughs> <laughs> we live in a Glee club. Yes, we do. So it's guys versus girls. Kurt tries to stand with the girls. And then Will's like, no, come on, Kurt. We have to be have a normative. This is, a, this is musical theater. No, Kurt, you're assigned male at birth. You have to go over here. You know, the, there was a running theory in the first few seasons that Kurt was secretly trans. Mm -hmm. And people like pointed at all of this as evidence. And I'm like, I understand where you're coming from. But sometimes gays just want to hang out with the girls because straight boys are intimidating. Yeah. All, all of that is fair and valid. I'm just not here to defend Bill Schuster. <laughs> also, also Kurt's register uh, fits more with the girls and what the girls would be singing more yes. often than the guys. Yeah, that's very true. It's it's the problem of your vocal range is such that if you sing in a group with everyone with like with the boys, then you're you know like a tenor or even a counter tenor. But if you sing with the girls, then you're an alto too. Yeah. So. This has been Choir Talk with Christina. This has been Gendering Sound. Yeah. Anyway. Finn looks like he's about to have an aneurysm in this yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, poor, poor Finn. Finn is so, we'll get to this in a sec, but like Finn is so stressed that he's literally like falling asleep standing up. And Will tries to like help him with it, but he's like, no, you don't understand, Mr. Schuster. You've never been a teen. You've never been teen pregnant. That's very true. He has not. <laughs> um, also, Will makes a comment about hoping the guys bring it as much as the girls do, and Artie tells him that we're planning on smacking them down like the hand of God. Yup. Mm-hmm. That is very true. That that was, I think, maybe one of Artie's like defining lines when it came to early Glee fandom plastering quotes on things. <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it. I'm glad that Artie got to have a line in this episode. He got several lines, in fact. He's got, like, three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this is a show with, like, 12 regular characters. Mm-hmm. So that they they have to stretch themselves out a lot. Or they can do what uh, Ryan Murphy did and just, I'm going to give lines to all of my favorites. <laughs> Basically. And Matt, I'm sorry, you're not going to have any lines in the entire season. <laughs> You know, he's a football player. Yes, he is. Anyway, we get to go from the Glee Club to Sue doing some journaling. <laughs> um, she, she like, spends the scene, like, talking about her malaise of, like, I woke up and my, ju my juicer broke when I tried to make a smoothie out of beef bones. 
and then and then it and then at Cheerio practice, I noticed that Quinn's knee was shaking when she was on top doing like a triple level lift. Yeah. And she asks, and after practice, she asks Quinn what's wrong. And then Quinn manages to roll a nat 20 on her deception check because she flat out lies to Sue Sylvester in person. And Sue was like, yeah, okay, that tracks. Because Quinn says that she's tired because of Glee Club. But Sue also knows that she needs a scheme to get rid of Glee Club. uh, Because she needs to win nationals in order to buy her hovercraft. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sue decides that uh, she's going to destroy Glee, which she refers to as some kind of sexually ambiguous horror movie villain. And I have a note here that just says Ryan Murphy adds another idea egg to his horde. (laughs) It's a wonder that more Glee cast members haven't shown up on American Horror Story. It's because uh, I saw an interview or like a snippet that apparently um, this might surprise you listeners. Ryan Murphy was not super great to all of the cast members, which is why Chris Colfer and Diana Agron at least have refused to work with him ever again. Oh, mood. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So all this aside, Sue decides that she's going to go. She's going to try and take out Will (laughs) directly. And so she she then teleports to his house. Yes, she teleports to Will's house, where she gets to talk to Terry, which is great. And she tells Terry that Will's having an emotional affair with Emma, because those two don't know when to quit. Nope. And she... Refers to Emma as a mentally ill ginger pygmy with eyes like a bush baby. Yeah. And she also says that pregnancy is a sign of weakness. (laughs) Remember this. Remember this. And I have a note here that's literally just like, why isn't the solution pack your bags and move away? Because Sue needs a scheme. Because Sue does need a scheme. And her scheme is, hey, you should come work at William McKinley High School. I even took the liberty of causing the school nurse to fall down the stairs and now she's in a coma. So the job's open. Hashtag just glee things. Hashtag just glee things. And she says, if you want to help your husband, get creative. So then Terry goes to the school, and then Viggins hires her because she got trained in CPR at some point, and she's maybe used a defibrillator a, de- a defibrillator once. No idea for what purpose. Fun and profit. Fun and profit. So yeah, she's the school nurse now. Yeah. She marches into the staff room and uh, licks her fingers to clean lipstick off of Emma's mug. Yeah, after after hearing Will tell Emma like like you're literally the like you're the only person that I would consider asking to judge the Glee Club because you're so impartial and honest and Terry only hears the impartial and honest part and then yeah, she comes in and in an in the second instance so far the season of someone just being incredibly rude to Emma, I like she yeah, she like she licks her thumb and then like wipes it on Emma's mug and even will looks appalled at this at this course of actions from his wife yeah that shit's nasty yeah it's it's nasty and it's uncalled for but she's here she's here now to keep an eye on will she doesn't need training because it's a public school yeah so i guess public schools in the states just operate on purge logic depending on the public school and the district because like if the if the surrounding area is not 
is not especially high income, a lot of the times there there are a lot of schools that suffer for it. Ryan Murphy visited Ohio exactly once. He walked into a classroom and started teaching a class, and through that he decided that all schools in Ohio just hire teachers off the street. Oh god. I wouldn't rule that out of possibility. <laughs> yeah. So here we get to go to the Finn is tired montage, which is him falling asleep in as like they talk about football tactics with the football team. He falls asleep again during Glee Club and he has this whole monologue about how like, I love Quinn, but I can't stop thinking about Rachel, but my brain is just kind of dumb and I'm overwhelmed. And I have a note here that says, has he power cycled his brain recently? Did you try turning it off and on again? Yes. Um, I noted down the way he describes Rachel, uh, because he's kind of into her, even though she freaks him out in a swim fan kind of way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember swim fan, everyone? I don't. I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, it was, it was a movie. It was like a teen slasher movie when those were still a more common thing. Mm-hmm. I guess they're common again now-ish, but like they not, not for a long time. But in the late aughts, they were still around, and one of them was Swim Fan, and it was about this, like, college-level swimmer, and he started online chatting in, like, an AOL chat room with a girl who called herself Swim Fan. She's like, ah, you're so cool, you're so great at film- swimming, I love you, I'm going to make you mine. Oh, no. So, yeah, Finn is like, Rachel might be stalking me, but that's cool. Yeah. Rock and body if you don't like boobs. <laughs> yeah. And he he does have the brilliant line, my mom says I'm stretched too thin, so I gave up homework, but that didn't help. And I was like, 2009, Christina was like, yes, I love this quote. I'm going to try and use it to justify things to not do my schoolwork. It didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, he's sleepy. His bones ache. He accidentally put biofreeze in his eyes. (laughs) Yeah. I wrote down that he's decrepit like a millennial. Yeah, big same. So we we get to go then. Oh no, wait, no. Like the whole falling asleep at glee practice thing is like fi- it he finally gets like noticed when the boys are doing their like their split apart practice and he like keeps we keep getting like the eyes open shot of like Finn like from Finn's perspective of being asleep and then like Kurt and Puck and Artie are there like are you okay? And Puck is trying to, like, throw out ideas, and Artie says this quote that I will probably be calling back several times. With all due respect, Puck, you're much more helpful when you don't contribute. (laughs) (laughs) So they tell him, just go see the school nurse and take a nap in her office. Yeah. Um, We do get a brief scene between Finn visiting the nurse and this scene of just the girls' practice, where the girls Mm -hmm. are also planning on winging it, except for Rachel, and that's essentially what that scene accomplishes. Yeah, before we leave the girls' practice, like, I think it's either, it's either, like, Santana or Mercedes makes a crack about about Quinn going to the mall to buy elastic waist, like, sweatpants. And I'm like, that's not a great look. <laughs> Thankfully, they will get better. But it's yeah. like, hey, yikes. Listen, I'm only judging very lightly on stuff that happens in these first 13 episodes. Okay, that's fair. Mark, mark my words, after sectionals, I will, and I quote, be smacking the show down like the hand of God. Nice. Look forward to it, listeners. I know I am. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so Finn, get, Finn gets to go to the school nurse, who I refer to for the rest of my notes as Nurse Terrible, or <laughs> Terry Bull. <laughs> nurse Terry Bull finally meets Finn and immediately makes a comment on how nice his bone structure is. Yeah. Finn says, I can't fall asleep and my brain won't turn off. And I have a note here that says, that's the anxiety, Finn. (laughs) (laughs) Because relatable. (laughs) And he asks if someone can be in love with two people. No. (laughs) And remember, flirting is cheating and the revenge of the jilted woman is usually pretty messy. Yeah. 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 So stick a pin in that, listeners. (laughs) I, just, um, I think I wrote down about three times, just let Finn sleep. Yeah, he 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 even, like, asks her, like, can I just take a nap? And she's like, no, you know what you need? Take take two of these of these pseudoephedrine pills that I brought to school in my purse. <laughs> that you definitely don't have a prescription for. Just, just take some uh, non-drowsifying decongestant drugs, blitz through high school, and have time for everything. Yeah, and I have a note here that says, in his defense, he is dumb. <laughs> so, so then Finn then goes back to practice with the boys, and he is chewing the scenery like he's at a Golden Corral buffet. <laughs> Talking extremely fast, like, hey guys, you want to practice? I want to practice. Let's do a great number. Let's make a great number, and then we're going to build a house for Habitat for Humanity. Yep. And he is so emotionally charged that then he just hands the pack of hands the pack of pseudoephedrine over to the rest of the boys and like. Oh, I thought he threw it. Oh no, he yeah he does throw it. He literally just like he like no scope wings it at Puck who catches it. What up, fam? Have some drugs. Woo. <laughs> yep. But then we get to go into actually the first musical number of the entire episode. One of two is the least two. Music- least musical episode of Glee. It's because they use such high profile like musical artists for the mashup that they can only pay to to use four separate songs. Oh, possibly. Maybe. Also, there's a fun note on the wiki that points out this is the first episode where all the songs that people sing are also released. Yeah. As singles. Yeah. The boys mashup is uh It's My Life by Bon Jovi mashed up with Confessions Part 2, which I think is by Usher. I yes. don't remember. Okay, cool. It is by Usher. And their drugged up energy means that the like the performance is pretty good. Finn, Finn still does that thing occasionally where he will just like flail a random limb, but at least it's down to one limb at a time and not two. You know how I always mention how Finn just looks happy to be here? Yeah. Well, Finn's got that cranked up to eleven, and everyone else is matching him. Yeah. Kurt is staring through the camera directly into your soul. Yes. I have a note here that, like, this is actually probably what you would get if you told a bunch of high schoolers who could sing, like, just do whatever. Just go. Just have fun. And by God, they are having fun. Mike got high enough that he's poppin' locking now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, it's good. And at the end of the performance, like... Will and Emma are clapping, you know, like, yeah, you guys were so cool. You're so, I don't know what got into you. Maybe Will Will flat out says, I don't know who put what in your juice boxes. Wonk. (laughs) (laughs) And then the girls are sitting there and Rachel looks like she's swallowed a mouthful of salt. She is not uncomfortable when people might sing better than her. Yes. So after this, uh, we get a scene of Rachel and Quinn. I can't remember if one of them is confronting the other or if they're just talking like normal humans, but that doesn't seem like them, especially at this stage in the show. Yeah. Like, Rachel comes over to, like, check on Quinn. 
and like hey like hey like hey friend how are you doing like this is me Jen, like this is Rachel like asking how Quinn is doing also and, also her confirming that basically the whole club officially unofficially knows what's going on with her yeah like like we know what's going on and like we also are aware that this is probably going to be a major social topic once it is revealed so we're still going to be there for you in case you didn't know that already <laughs> and then Quinn flat out says like like you know that like you know that I hate you right like you don't have to do this and and Rachel's like I like yeah but I know what it's like to be bullied because people make fun of me and they call me weird names and they draw pictures of they draw pornographic pictures of me on the walls of the bathroom and Quinn's like actually that was me <laughs> I think this is when the Faberi ship started Oh god yes this is the exact scene that launched the Faberi ship <laughs> <laughs> But then it's just like it, I thought it's really nice because it's like R Rachel then like extends like some mercy to Quinn like hey like we are still going to be there for you like no matter how this ends up shaking out like no matter how flat baby fiasco ends up happening yeah and she even compliments Quinn singing yeah and it's like it's like she compliments Quinn singing and then says like yeah like you're good maybe you should maybe you could like practice a little bit more but you have a good voice and like i have a note here that this is when quinn's heel face turn begins yeah and because that that arc is going to pay off oh yeah at some point and quinn tells rachel that she would absolutely torture rachel if she was the pregnant <laughs> teen and rachel <laughs> says yeah i know and then she leaves yeah. yep and it's like it's a it's a good little merciful scene especially from I think I may even have said that at some point. It's like, women and Glee are only, like, the love interests are, like, the enemies. But here oh, it's like, hey, they might yeah. be friends at some point. When Glee lets the girls be friends with each other, it's very good. It is very good. I will give credit for that. So now we go to, like, a legitimate-ish ship to the weirdest ship. Well, first we have to have uh, Nurse Terry Bull... Uh, calling Howard Bamboo and asking him to go buy 36 boxes of pseudofedrine. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I have, and I have a note here saying, hey, remember that uh, in oh, remember that in the United States in 2005, the Combat Methamphetamine Act was put into place, which strictly controls sales of pseudofed or, and pseudofedrine because it's a component of artificial methamphetamine. Remember this. Remember this. <laughs> But yeah, then we get to have the, the absolute weirdest possible crack ship in Glee. Well, Ken shows up and he tells her about the emotional affair and Terry's kind of wilding that everyone seems to know about this except for her. Uh, Ken cries over his psoriasis and undescended testicle. <sighs> and then he suggests that him and Terry start seeing each other behind Will and Emma's backs just to mm -hmm. get even. And I'm like, you know, you both try and lick things to claim them as your own. So maybe this would work out. Oh god, I don't even, I don't like to imagine that. I, I feel like Terry would like chew him up and destroy him in about five seconds. But that but that says more about Terry than it does about Ken. Yes, it That's does. That's what Terry does. Yeah. That's her love language. Yeah. Her other love language is giving people drugs and telling them to propose to people. And her and her third love language is pottery barn. This is also true. Yeah, so she she tells Ken, "Hey, you should take two two pseudofedrine and then go go buy a ring and propose to your girlfriend." Yep, this is how all relationship problems are solved. Yes. All right. Next scene, Kurt uh comes into the girls' rehearsal, mm -hmm. 
Uh, he tells them that he's decided to jump ship in line with them because the boys didn't let them cornrow their hair, which was probably a good idea. Be- which is a gr- which was a great decision on their part. <laughs> Most of them are white. Also, Puck barely has enough hair to cornrow. <laughs> no. He, yeah, he doesn't. Um, also, all of the costumes that Kurt suggested were deemed too costly because they involved several exotic bird feathers. <laughs> Yikes. But yeah, so he then just flat out tells everyone, yeah, hey, we were on drugs for our performance. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, how dare you? You know, Kurt's been drugged up for two episodes in a row now. I don't like it. It's fine. His eyes are very large. Yeah. Yeah. We get to have the next scene then, which is Finn, who is still high on pseudoephedrine. He's not as high as he was before, but he's still a good good amount of high. Yeah, it's still in his system. And so he, like, marching through the halls of McKinley, like, like, hey, hi, how are you doing? Hey, like, hey, Mr. Shu, here's this essay that I handed it that I finished ahead of time, that I finished two weeks early. And that should have been Will's, the only warning sign that Will needed that something was up. (laughs) No, because you see, now that Finn is motivated by the power of show choir, then everything is gonna come together and he'll be a better (sighs) student because the arts promote learning. I mean, that line, that line is, that line is not incorrect thinking, but the whole, the whole drugs part is. Will is a god amongst teachers and he uses the power of music to cause students to completely buck all negative bad habits they had before. That's blasphemy, Tanner, and you know it. (laughs) Yeah. So all this is to say that Rachel confronts Finn in the hallway about being a cheater and he says, you're just concerned that we're that your performance is going to be worse than ours. And she's like, I do not wake up at six o'clock in the morning to do ellipticals for the sake of my own Grammy to have to deal with this. Basically. Uh, and then Finn's like, but that's a personal goal. And if you fail, you only let yourself down. I have to like start a family or support a family. Family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyways, now it's time for uh, equality in the form of the girls also getting drugs from Terry. Yep. Except for Quinn, because she gets folic acid for flat baby sick. Yep. And everyone looks fairly concerned, except for Santana, who has uh, an expression on her face that says, finally, I get to do drugs at school. <laughs> yeah. And Quinn is like, I like to note that like Quinn and this lineup of them all, where they all like take their pills in unison, like, she's the one who's most clearly like, this is, like, we absolutely should not be doing this, but I really don't want to stand out against, and like, go against the people who will be my only friends in several months. Yeah. Also, it's interesting that Quinn looks concerned, due to the fact that the more we get to know Sue, the more it's pretty obvious that Sue also definitely drugs the Cheerios. Mm-hmm. I like to think that it's maybe that Quinn has maybe the most morals in the terms of right and wrong out of the glee club that has been expressed to this point. Or maybe the concern is more, oh god, I'm really going to sell my baby to this lady? You know what, that's it. That's that's where it is. That's it. That's the concern. <laughs> um. Anyways, before we get to see the girls' drugs take effect, mm-hmm. we have a scene in the, the what's it called, the staff room. Yeah, staff lounge. Ken is doing extreme paper shredding. Yes. He's like, he's chewing, he's like, chewing gum with such ferocity that he's going to give himself TMJ. Oh no. And then he's just like, it's like, shred, 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 shred. 
Meanwhile, uh, Terry is sitting with Will and sees some mustard on his face. And so she, hey, you she, know what? She licks him to claim him as her own. She licks his face to mark him as her territory. Like she's, I, I can't even think of an animal to compare this to. It's, just, it's, it's that terrible. And in Will's defense, he is also mortified to the point that he yells at his wife in the staff lounge because, like, this is our workplace. And she's like, but my hormones! And he's like, no. And this is the only moment of emotional clarity that Will has for the next at least five minutes. Yeah. Well, he gets another one in the same episode, at least. Okay. That's that's why I said five minutes. That's true. Um, And then after Will leaves, Terry goes to Ken. She's like, remember the plan. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like oh and he he stops he steps away from what is presumably the smoking wreck of the shredder <laughs> <laughs> and he walks over and he because emma like walks in and he proposes to emma and i wrote down some of what he said because it was actually really touching i said it was a mix of touching I, that's why i said some of it was really touching yeah oh, okay yeah um it's it's one of those speeches where it's like i would put more stock in it if it wasn't coming from you. Yeah, that's true. And I would like to note here that, like, Ken's actor is doing a really good job in this scene. Yes. Like, kudos to his actor. Yeah. Um, but part of part of his proposal includes, I promise to keep your life clean of any sadness and loneliness and any other dark clouds that might float into it. And I'm like, for someone like Emma, that's that's really heartwarming. <laughs> But he also says that he can't promise to clean up after himself or put away his dirty underwear after he showers. And so that's less yeah. concerning or less less touching. Yeah, that's less touching. But he proposes to her with a cubic zircania because she was really affected by a black diamond. And blood we cut diamond. To- yeah, blood diamond, thank you. Um, but then we cut to black over Emma just like this like absolute like you can tell that Emma's blue screening. <laughs> internally because well the emotional part was nice but the not cleaning up after you was concerning but the blood diamond thing was also nice but the very fact that you're proposing is also concerning so we're kind of split 50 50 on uh, emotional um good things yeah and hey time for some mood whiplash let's see the girls perform while they're on pseudofedrine (laughs) so rachel gives a whole speech about how while the boys literally were singing about hate and sadness that the girls are going to sing about, like, sunshine and happiness uh, because mm-hmm. that's what the world needs now and also instead angels. of Instead of economic uncertainty and social woe. And my note here is, cheers, mate. I'll drink to that. <laughs> and also angels. It's mm-hmm. time for Halo by Beyonce, matched up with Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. Mm-hmm. It's a really good arrangement. Yeah, it's good. It's a jam. Um, I would like to say that while Rachel's giving this whole speech, Quinn, who is not on drugs, she turns and gives her a really concerned look like, oh shit, these are some really good drugs. Yeah. And also during their performance, Kurt, like, Kurt is wearing sunglasses the whole time because these, because these girls' smiles are so bright that they literally could probably power the entire power grid of Lima, Ohio. Yeah. Um, I have an, I have two more notes on this. Yeah, shoot. One is that, okay, so this is more just a broad note of the show in the sense that they really haven't nailed down what Santana's character is yet at this point. No. 
And of no. course, it, that's understandable because they're only six episodes in. Santana's still basically a recurring extra. I don't even think we know her last name yet. No. But it's just considering my future knowledge of her. And then I come and look back at how, like, Naya Rivera performs in all these group numbers. And she's acting really, like, spunky and happy and girly and fancy. And it's like, wow, that's that's not Santana. I mean, it's understandable here because of, you know, the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> but even in earlier musical numbers, she's like, I am going to smile and be happy because I just love show choir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have not yet decided, like, in the show Bible, they haven't written down, Santana's going to cut you. Yeah. That's later. But yeah, so all of this is to say that the girls' performance is good. They get a lot of applause. They do cut Rachel's last note short in the episode. Yeah. Because, um, like, she doesn't hold it at all in the episode. If you listen to the single release, she holds it for, like, a good five seconds, I think. Mm-hmm. God bless. Um, yeah, I have a note here that, um, I'd like to know what their resting heart rates were after they finished <laughs> singing. And then Will tells them, I don't know what you're doing, but just keep doing it. So Will Schuster endorses doping. Naturally. Naturally. So they, they, they do like a Will and Emma then leave because we didn't mention this, but Emma's like, Emma, in fact, was the judge for this mashup contest. And then it turns out that Will's plan worked, but in a terrible monkey's paw manner. (laughs) Um... She tells him that Ken asked her to marry her. And then she says, like, she flat out says, like, Will, are there any other options for me right now? And I have a note here that says, what the fuck, Emma? That's not okay. (laughs) But also, Will, you should take this moment to just divorce your wife right now. I mean, yes, he should, especially because then we get a murder zoom onto Terry, like, down the hallway, seeing them talk about this. Damn it, Will, you can sue for custody. Yeah, sue for custody of fake baby. Exactly. <laughs> he sues for custody of the pregnancy pad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I killed Tanner. <laughs> All this is to say that we then get to have a scene where Nurse Terry storms into Emma's office and then flat out says essentially like, get your hands off my man and just shut up and marry Ken already. And then and she says some really mean things to emma and when she leaves emma looks like she's gonna go have a quiet breakdown yeah like she does emma does say to terry that will is way too good to deserve her mm-hmm. like as in deserve terry yeah. uh and terry counters that emma really isn't that innocent when she's trying to steal a married man from his pregnant wife Mm-hmm. and it was like yep like very very quietly and sadly <laughs> you have a point but you're also very mean yeah. Anyways, we can we continue with Terry because uh, she meets with Quinn uh, in the, I guess the secret hallway. Yeah, yeah. Where no one can hear you. Yes, and it's really just a less crowded hallway where instead of twenty five extras walking through, there's only five. Yeah. And and Quinn asks Nurse Terry Bull like, "Hey, I would just like to reiterate to you that I'm giving you my baby because." Uh, because my boyfriend internalizes a lot of pressure, which was like a really insightful decision for a high schooler to make. Yeah. And then uh, 
she asks Nurse Terrible to like, hey, any chance that you can help uh, kick in for, you know, the doc, like the like the doctor's appointments that I'm going to have to go through and prenatal vitamins and maternity clothes. And especially because this will probably get me kicked out of my parents' house. And Nurse Terry Bill says, no, I'm not going to give you money. I'm not paying for anything until the baby is in my hands. Yeah. And what a disaster. I'm not buying your baby. It's a donation. <sighs> this baby theft is pay what you want. Oh, my God. Um, after that... Emma gingerly steps into the boys' locker room, which she can only stay in there for so long because of the filth. Uh, basically, she's there to accept Ken's proposal on the terms that she gets to keep her last name and her own home, and they live on separate sides of the town, and they get married in secret because neither of them want to spend their lives alone. Yeah, it's not great. This is the most settling of settling. Yeah... This is like dirt at the bottom of a river settling. Yeah. And Emma doesn't even like dirt! No! <laughs> anyway, speaking of confessions. Yeah. Uh, Finn and Rachel feel really bad because of the drugs. Mm-hmm. And it, it might be generally feeling bad. It might just be like coming down off the drugs. Yeah. Could be both. Um... They confess to Figgins. And, Off screen. Yeah. And Figgins drags Terry and Will into his office. First he points out that Howard was arrested. Remember when we said that this is illegal? Yep. Guess what? It was illegal. And he got arrested because of buying them, buying all 36 boxes of pseudoephedrine from one place. And also now they think he's running a crystal meth lab. Which honestly would probably be a step up from working under Terry at Sheets and Things. Yeah. And Will loses his shit at Terry. He says that she is completely blind to consequences, and whenever he lights a fire in his life, she finds a way to burn down the whole forest. Yup. So Terry is forced to resign, and then Figgins turns to Will and says, I'm not done with you yet! <laughs> Figgins points out that Will fostered an unsafe environment by even unintentionally affirming the kids doing drugs. And I have a note here that just says, go Figgins. Mm -hmm. Will, you're a terrible influence on these children. So now I'm instating a co-coach of the Glee Club, who just so happens to also be a terrible influence on children. Get in here, Sue! Yes. <laughs> and, but of course, the Glee kids don't find out about this until they're apologizing to Will at practice. And I think at this point, it's, my note here is Sue's here to co-captain the showbiz cruise and she's going to make it sink like the Titanic. Yep. She is stirring directly into an iceberg. Yep. At some point, Rachel says, we'd be happy to move forward and put this episode behind us. And LOL, same. <laughs> I don't know. There, I thought there were some, a lot of good parts in this episode. There are some good parts, but there's a lot of really bad parts too. Yeah. Um... The episode itself does end on Rachel taking, like, the box of pseudoephedrine that she still had and tossing it in the garbage, and then she gets back on her uh, elliptical, and mm -hmm. where before she had, like, uh, an image board, or not an image board, where before she had, like, a dream board of her winning a Grammy, now it's just been replaced by the New Directions winning regionals, not regionals, sectionals, one or the mm -hmm. other. Yeah. The point being, Rachel now wants to work for the good of the team, allegedly. Yeah. Yeah, she's 
she's realized that she shouldn't be competing against everyone. She sh- she should be competing alongside everyone. Yes. Which is really good. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, after the Glee Club gets to meet their new co-coach in Sue Sylvester, um, Emma and Will talk outside of the Glee Club room, and she tells Will that she accepted Ken's proposal. And he starts to tear up, but he's still approximately six and a half episodes away from having any kind of emotional self-discovery in regards to this. Yeah. <laughs> so they like they have a dramatic look at each other and then walk down separate hallways. <laughs> remember this hallway. It it remember this hallway, it will come back later. This is the hallway of emotional um stuff. Yes. It's it's different from the secrets hallway. The secrets hallway is a few floors down. Mm-hmm. But Christina, I started. Yeah. What was your gold star song of the two songs? Um, I think I'm going to give my gold star to uh, Walking on Sunshine and Halo, just because it's a little bit better of an arrangement. Yeah, I'm going to match you there. Okay, cool. We are in agreement. We only had two, we only had two options. Yeah, that's true. Also, well, we're, we're, we, uh, we could have given it to, we could have given it to Break My Style, which was the song that Rachel listens to in the morning. But she didn't perform it. It wasn't a whole musical number. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, we're also, we've got a six episode streak of agreeing on the best songs. Oh, dip, really? Yeah. I didn't have the spreadsheet open. What about your just gold star moment, if it was not the song? I, I'm very tempted to give my gold star moment to Quinn successfully lying to Sue Sylvester's face. <laughs> <laughs> But I think I'm actually going to have to give it to everyone for the acting skills they all had when they, as like portraying themselves on pseudephedrine. <laughs> um, I was about to give it to Quinn and Rachel's friendship moment. Go for that too. I think I'm going to, I think I'm also going to give that to the acting high. Yeah, definitely. Quinn and Rachel's moment was a really great one. So I think if, if one of us wants to give that there and split it that's valid but also also giving it to the acting is also good because the acting was good in this episode okay oh you know what you're right then i will i'll give it to the february friendship moment um now here here's a question can you give your worst moment to just the concept of the kids doing drugs if you give it to that i have a specific moment that i'm going to give it to no i wasn't because i was listen the episode is clear that the doing of the drugs is the bad. Yes. But because it leads to so many good comedy moments, I yeah. can't worst it. I cannot slushy that moment because it is too good. See, my my specific slushy in this episode goes out to Sue Sylvester, who caused someone to be in a coma by pushing them down the stairs. <laughs> um oh no, you know what I will I will give this to licking things to claim them as your own. Yes. Go for it. But yeah. So I mean, I I don't think of any I can't think of anything else that we need to really talk about with this episode cuz it's it's it pretty, pretty cut and dry. Yeah, it's it's pretty cut and dry. So. Don't do drugs unless you're in a show choir and even then only once. Mhm. And we we'll just go ahead and end it there, I guess. I I guess so. Go into the ending uh Thing. Loser Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice, and if we aren't there, let us know and we'll work on getting there. We can also be found at Loser Like Me Pod on Twitter. 
and through loserlikemepod at gmail.com. And, and that's, that's what, what you missed, missed on Glee. Glee. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we rip the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser like me.